From Washington, this is Talking Tax. I'm Siri Belusu. When the 2017 tax law put a $10,000 cap on the amount of state and local taxes people can deduct from their federal income taxes, some high-tax states not only got mad, they figured out ways to help shield their taxpayers from that cap. I'm with Bloomberg Tax Deputy News Editor Jeff Harrington to talk about the issue. Jeff, how did states react to this limitation? Well, states have gone different directions in seeking a fix or what they call a workaround uh, to the cap on state and local tax deductions. The first option involved giving tax credits for charitable donations, but the IRS nixed that plan in June. Uh, some states have also tried to shield people by imposing new taxes on pass-through businesses, things like partnerships and LLCs, entities which normally aren't taxed themselves, even though their individual owners are. So why is it important for states to find ways around the cap, and what's at stake for them? One of their motivations is to keep their taxpayers happy. As some people filling out their 2018 taxes found out, it didn't take long to hit that cap on their local tax deductions, so they wound up paying higher taxes. To look into this further, I sat down with Canon Marie Green, who is the managing editor overseeing Bloomberg Tax's editorial coverage of state corporate income tax and pass-throughs. Hi, Canon Marie. Thanks for joining us. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So tell me, why are states so eager to find a workaround to the uh, cap on state and local tax deductions? Well, I think there are a lot of unknowns. Um, For one, states are fearful that their residents will jump ship and go to states that don't have an income tax, like Texas or Florida. I think there's also some fear that consumers will stop buying things. But there are a lot of unknowns, and I think at the heart of this, states just really want to look out for their residents and make sure that they're not having a higher federal income tax liability. Great. Uh, Can you walk us through what various states have done so far in in pursuing a pass-through workaround? How are they different state by state? Sure. So in all, we've had 10 states propose an entity-level tax as a workaround, but only five have actually made it through the legislative process. The first one was in 2018, and that's Connecticut. And it's a brand new revenue-neutral tax, and it also comes with a credit for individual owners. But things kind of shifted after that. So at the end of 2018, you have Wisconsin that is the first state to create the opportunity for a pass-through entity to elect to be taxed at the entity level. And that's really the trend that we're seeing continue. Wisconsin's credit scheme is a little bit unique. If the entity elects to pay the tax at the entity level, there is a credit for the Wisconsin entity level tax that's paid to another state. And it has two key components. The first is that it can only be claimed if the income is taxed by the other state, and that income is also considered Wisconsin income. And that's to remedy any kind of double taxation that might occur. And the other is that the income tax had to have been paid during the same taxable year. Interestingly, Wisconsin also amended an existing credit that is on the owner level, and it's only the amendment is if an entity level did not elect. So individual taxpayers that own an interest in a pass-through entity and who are in Wisconsin really need to make sure that they understand what's going on and what their entity has elected or not elected to do, because it could hit them in the pocketbook. The next state that we saw was Oklahoma. And looking at the literature from the chamber, the state chamber of Oklahoma, there seems to be a real fear that small business owners are going to flee from Oklahoma for Texas or Florida. As I mentioned previously, they don't impose an individual income tax. And so the idea here is that 
by having an entity level tax, which is also elective in Oklahoma, the state will be able to collect the same amount of revenue. But the federal tax liability for the individual owners of these entities will stay the same as pre-TCJA amounts. And so they're really trying to show that they're looking out for their small business owners. They also offer a subtraction modification. So that's a difference than what we've seen already with Connecticut and Wisconsin, where you have a credit scheme at play. Next, and this might be my favorite, is Louisiana. They didn't create a new tax at all. They just created the opportunity for S-corporations and pass-through entities that are taxed as partnerships at the federal level to pay a corporate tax. And there have been a lot of questions about why would an entity ever do this? And sometimes there there are benefits and sometimes it has to do with the tax rate. But in this situation, there might very well be a reason why um, an entity would want to pay the reduced tax rate. For one, under existing law, S-corporations are already subject to the corporate income tax in Louisiana. So I think that is an interesting development on the state side. And then finally, um, just last week, Rhode Island's governor signed the bill for a pass-through entity level tax. So it's you're under the mill. It's very similar to Connecticut and Wisconsin. You have the entity level tax and you have a credit for the individual owners. As I mentioned, there were five other states that tried and failed. Michigan got as far as passing the bill, but the outgoing governor vetoed it on December 31st, the final day of 2018. So what else is at play here with this flurry of activity now? We've seen states looking at taxes on pass-through entities before the salt cap was even an issue, right? Yes. And this is what my team and I think is so interesting about this, is that everyone seems to be zeroed in on these entity-level taxes as though they're new, shiny, innovative things. And really, states have been doing this for a long time. Good examples are the Kentucky Limited Liability Entity Tax, the New Hampshire Business Enterprise Tax and Business Profits Tax, and then the California Annual Income-Based Tax on LLCs. So with specific regards to this workaround, I think the innovation isn't so much the tax at the entity level, it's the credit or deduction that the individual owners get to take. And so I I think it's important to look at this workaround through that lens. The the IRS earlier weighed in on the the issue of of the workaround um, with the charitable issue. Have they indicated what's going to happen next? They haven't indicated with any specificity other than to say that they are keeping the door open to look at any other workaround that might come up. But states have the authority to impose an entity-level tax on entities doing business within their jurisdictions. And these are legitimate business expenses for individual owners. Given the uh, varying ways that states are dealing with this, there's still a lot of confusion among taxpayers out there. Do you think this will end up being settled in the court? For that to happen, the IRS would have to start auditing individual taxpayers over this issue. And there would have to be a sufficient amount of federal tax at issue to take it to court, assuming that there's not a settlement reached. So I think the important thing here is for individual taxpayers to pay attention to what's happening in their state, what's happening in states where an entity that they own an interest in is doing business, and to just make sure that they know what's going to happen and how it's going to hit their pocketbook. Great. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. And here's the week's top news. The French Senate voted for a 3% tax on digital business giants like American companies Google, Amazon, Facebook, and Apple, putting France on a path to being the first country to collect such a tax. 
The first payment will be due in October. The action comes as international efforts continue for a global approach to digital taxation instead of a variety of individual national taxes. In the U.S., small banks and credit unions may get more time to comply with a major accounting rule change that big publicly traded banks will have to comply with in January. The rule will make banks tally loan losses far earlier than they do now, which is a big adjustment in many of their practices. Small institutions already have another year or two to comply, but the lift may be too heavy for many of them, even by 2021 or 22. New York State thrust itself into the controversy over President Donald Trump's tax returns by enacting a law that lets key members of the U.S. House request Trump's state returns. So far, Richard E. Neal, who chairs the House Ways and Means Committee, has said he's not interested in getting the New York returns, but arguments continue about what path Democrats should pursue as they seek the president's federal returns. That's all for this week. For more on these and other news stories, log on to news.bloombergtax.com. From Washington, I'm Suri Belusu. Thanks for listening. Cases and Controversies is all about the Supreme Court. One of the seven oh, come on. Words. You know, come on. Well, I agree Be with serious. you. We sit down with leading practitioners and scholars to break down these cases. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up so I didn't have to. But, uh... <laughs> oh, I interesting, know that. Right? That is See? interesting. I guess my imagination is running wild. Tune in every week for our deep dive and sneak peek episodes wherever you get your podcasts. As always, check out the latest at (laughs) news.bloomberglaw.com.